Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another day. We've got our first preview podcast for 2022 as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 406. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell to get his thoughts on this Eagles team heading into the 2022 season and look ahead to Sunday's matchup against the Detroit Lions. What are the matchups to watch? What does this summer's Hard Knocks team bring to the table? What is Greg's outlook on this Eagles team going into the season? We're going to cover it all and more in today's show. Before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, now's the time. Jump in, ask a question. We've got one that we're going to answer later in the show. So if you've got a question about this Eagles team, the scheme, the personnel, the the 53-man roster is finally out, Anything you've got about this team, go leave it on Apple Podcasts. We'll answer it here on next week's show. Also, make sure you check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. College football week one, a smashing success. Just an outstanding slate of games this past weekend. We've got another one tonight. I'm recording this Monday night. Uh, I'm recording this Monday morning. We've got Monday night football, Clemson, Georgia Tech. We're going to be breaking it all down over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennel. Dane Brugler, Ross Tucker. We're going to have Greg on this week on the show. You do not want to miss the Journey to the Draft podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And as well, look, if you're an Eagles fan listening to this show, you want to make sure you take in all of the X's and O's analysis that we are providing over on Eagles Game Plan. The first episode drops later this week. You do not want to miss it. Mike Quick, Ike Reese, John Clark, Greg Cosell, everybody back in the fold. We're going to have coaches on the on the show every single week this, week, this year. We're going to have players on the show. You don't want to miss it, so make sure you go check out Eagles game plan on the Eagles uh, mobile app, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, wherever you get your Eagles video content. That said, let's get into this discussion. Excited to catch up with Greg. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, excited to be joined for, by the first time in a long time by my friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Greg, the, uh, the 2022 season is finally here. You know what, Fran? I'm very happy about that because these preseason games have become tougher and tougher each and every year. Yes. Obviously, there's fewer of them. Uh, teams don't play people. The Eagles really did not play very many people. You know, the the, the people we consider the main people through the preseason. So uh, I'm very excited that... Uh, Sunday is week one. Sunday is week one, uh, and obviously a big matchup here uh, against the Detroit Lions, which we will get into, but there are some big-picture topics surrounding the Eagles that I'm interested to kind of pick your brain on. We haven't talked too often uh, here this summer about this team, so I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts, and I guess we'll start with the the number one topic, I think, coming into the season, and that's the development of Jalen Hurts. I know that you did a little bit of a deep dive uh, over the summer, looking back at a lot of his throws. Uh, Tell us what you saw. What were the big takeaways? Well, the Cliff Notes version is sure. that I thought he improved as the season went on. Okay. I thought that was pretty evident, that I thought he was a better quarterback in the second half of the season than he was early in the season. I think the structure of the offense helped in that regard because clearly they became a running football team and most things worked off the run game. It was a, as, as we discussed last year, it was a multiple and diverse run game with a lot of different elements, um, and I think it will continue to be. But I think it's evident by what they did in the offseason, A.J. Brown, um, that 
that and the and the way they're going about developing Jalen Hurts in that they know that playing that style of offense is not likely to get you to a Super Bowl and win a championship. So they want to expand the offense from a passing game perspective. So I think a couple of things the tape showed that I'm sure they worked on all offseason was Jalen had a tendency to perceive pressure at times and leave the pocket too early. I thought there were times in the second half of the season he got a little bit better at that because what you'd like him to do in an ideal world, you don't want to lose the fact that he can make plays with his legs, but in many ways that should be a parachute. What you'd love to see him do is be able to move within the pocket and throw the ball. Mm -hmm. The receiving core now is very, very good. They have a lot of depth. They have in Dallas Goddard, in my view, when healthy and playing at his best, one of the top five or six tight ends in the league. So they have a lot of weapons. So you want the pass game to flow seamlessly. You don't want Hurts dropping back feeling like the, the... the running element to his game should be the number one dimension. And I think he'll get better at that. I think that's experience as well. Mm. That's experience within a system. Don't forget last year was his first year in this given system. And he's, in his career going back to college, he's moved around a bit. So he's had to work through a lot of different systems. And until you get really comfortable with everything in a system, and you know that coaches will tell you that it could take two, three, four years for that to happen. So I think the comfort level within the system will really help Jalen Hurts this year. I think you'll see them use the run game really effectively to dictate defensive alignment and movement. So I think you'll see the RPO game. I think you'll see the zone read looks because it dictates things. It forces the defense to have to react a certain way. And you know that based on your film study. But I think Jalen Hurts will end up being better than a year ago. None of us can say what that means, but he'll be better than he was a year ago. Well, I was glad that you brought up the the offensive continuity aspect because I wanted to ask you, that's been one of the big storylines this summer, really this offseason. This is his first time since high school where he's been in the same offense two consecutive years. Do you feel like something like that is overplayed, underplayed? Do you feel like, no, like there's a, oh, there's, no. a there's a lot of, uh, there's meaning to that. There's a ton of meaning to that. Mm. There's a ton of meaning to that. You know, I'm not sure that people understand that just c- calling plays in different systems takes time. Yeah. You know, think of it this way. A hamburger and French fries are the same thing in every country in the world. But if you one spent eight months or nine months calling it in English, and then all of a sudden they said, okay, now you have to go to France and you have to do the same thing. You know, it it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. So, and as you know, there's so many offshoots of basic concepts. You have to learn all of those within the context of the system. Then you have to learn how all that relates to the defense. So if you speak to coaches, offensive coaches who've been in this league for a long time, as I have done, you've probably done as well, they'll tell you that it really takes three, four years for a quarterback to be really comfortable. That doesn't mean you can't have success to some level. But to be really comfortable with everything that's going on where you're in total control and everything becomes second nature. Because in this league, what you want with your quarterback in the pass game is you want your quarterback to really know where he's going with the ball before the snap of the ball. Now, will the defense win at times? Will they confuse you at times? Of course, it's the NFL. But the great quarterbacks, and that's what the Eagles hope that Jalen Hurts can become, and you know me well enough to know I don't use that term loosely. Of Ultimately, what you want is Jalen to be able to come to the line of scrimmage and before the snap of the ball, see it all, 
It's functional knowledge. You don't have to know what all 11 players on defense are doing. You only have to know what the four or five that are really critical to that play mm. are doing. So if you reduce it to simplest terms, you're looking, is the middle open? Is the middle closed? And where are the blitz alerts? And then you have a feel for everything else just intuitively, but that takes work and time. And that's the thing is that every year for Jalen over the last several, he's you're starting from ground scratch. zero, starting. starting from scratch every single year. So now having that launch yep. off point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable at this point, this point, this point, now where do we go? And to me, then I look at it too with the addition of AJ Brown, the the another another year for Devontae Smith. These guys all working together uh, for another consecutive year. Now you just have other ways you can be able to attack without defense. question. It's not just hey, we're we're going to run the ball and be run first. There are going to be games I'm sure where that is the case. But now you've got the the ability to beat defenses in a number of different ways. And and what you hear coaches talk all the time, both sides of the ball, is they say we want it to be simple for us. And hard for the yeah. for the opposing side. Yep. I mean, you hear that all the time. I mean, you said it earlier about the zone reads and RPOs. Right. They'd be able to say, okay, well, that that isn't going to be the the staple, the core of our offense, but defenses have to prepare for it on a weekly Without basis. Without question. Without question. So, and 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 that will always exist as long as Jalen Hurts yeah. is your quarterback. Right. Um. So so defenses will have to prepare, but that's what you're trying to do. You you know everything in football is really about concepts and. There's not a thousand route concepts. So yeah. what you're trying to do is you're just trying to get to your concepts in different ways, presenting different looks to the defense, just like the defense tries to present different looks to you. Sure. You know, so that's what you're trying to do. So the concepts are the concept. I mean, look, yes, it's preseason, but the touchdown he threw to Dallas Goddard to end the opening drive was a play you and I have talked about a right. hundred times. Mm -hmm. right. All it is 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 a flood, three-level stretch. I believe that was to the boundary, too. The boundary side against cover three. Yep. Right, yeah. So, I mean, you know, which is in everybody's playbook, by the way, but I mean, it's it's a basic concept. It's, it's all how you get to it, and then based on film study, you, you hope you're calling it where you anticipate a zone concept, yep. whether it's cover three or cover four. Obviously, cover three is perfect, and when it's to the boundary, you, the throw doesn't lead the, the receiver out of bounds. It kind of throttles them down because you don't want to just have them run out of bounds. Sure. There's more room if you do it to the field, but that's a play. How many times have we seen that play and talked about that years, play? Years and years we've been talking about right. three-level stretch right. flood concepts. Yeah. So, I mean, perfect example. You know, that's th those kinds of plays and how you get to them you're trying to just get to those kinds of plays in different ways. We are coming up on a nearly a decade of doing the show together, Greg. Oh, my God. It's insane to think. Uh, I can remember yeah. the first time, the first studio uh, that you and I were doing. It was a little bit different than the studio yes, we're yes, sitting in yes, now. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you about Zach Pascal as well. Uh, this is I, like guy, Zach, I know you, yeah. you and I have studied yeah. him going back to his days in college yep. uh, You know, with, with the Indianapolis Colts, what he's turned into. What do you think he's going to mean for this Eagles offense? Well, I guess the big question is the number of snaps he gets. Sure. You know, that, that's Because we know the top two receivers are obviously A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. And by the way, that's a pretty pretty good duo right there. And then if you include Dallas Goddard with that and say like, okay, oh. the two, two receivers and tight end, like there aren't a lot of teams in the no, NFL that, that no. have that. And I, you know, I looked at Devonta Smith as well this summer and I really liked him. I mean, he's, in some ways he, and, and I know this name is still probably bothersome to Eagles fans, but in many ways he and Justin Jefferson are somewhat similar mm. in the fact that they are striders who can cut without having to shorten and yeah. slow down their stride. Right, yep. And that's a rare trait mm. because the way Devonta Smith is built, he's all legs. Yep. You know, he is that, 
and he does not have to slow down and throttle down and give away his route before he breaks. Yep. And that's really, I think that's one of the traits that makes him who he is. Because obviously there were many concerns by many people, smart, reasonable people, about the fact that he's 160 pounds. But because he's able to do that, he's able to really get defensive backs off their spot and on their heels. Yep. And he's able to freely break. But anyway, the point being is that Pascal, and then you have Quez Watkins, who's obviously a certain kind of receiver with his speed. Um, we know Nick Sirianni obviously likes Zach Pascal. He had him in Indianapolis. He, to me, is just, and I hate to use this term, it's cliched, but you'll know what I mean. He's a professional receiver. He knows how to run routes. He knows how to work against man. He knows how to get corners off their spot. He knows how to use leverage to win and to create separation. He knows how to find voids and zones. He can line up in multiple spots. My guess is he's a receiver that you can line up in any of the spots, Z, X, slot, motion. He's one of those guys. And those guys are so, so critically important in an offense yep. because then you're not stuck with, oh, if we put him in, he can only line up in one place. It's funny, too, because I feel like uh, when people think, oh, this guy's really good in the red zone, you think of your six foot five oak tree, line yep. him up to the boundary and throw him a back shoulder fade. Zach Pascal's not that guy. No. But he is so good in the red zone because of all the different traits you just talked right. about, his ability to find small creases, settle into soft spots, create uh, create separation for himself one-on-one. You can move him around the formation. Yep. He's tough and physical. All the different things you're looking for to receivers to be able to win, uh, you know, essentially be a dirty work player. That's what that's he what is. That's what Zach Pascal is. I mean, people, again, in Philly, I'm sure they're aware of this now because he's been here, and I'm sure everybody looked up his stats when the, uh, they signed him. But, I mean, he's caught over 40 balls, I think, for three years in a row. Yeah. As not as not a major part of, of the Colts passing yep. game. So I really like him. Um, I'm curious to see how it all plays out because he could end up playing 50 snaps a game or he could end up playing 20 snaps a game. We don't know the answer to that. And then when you look at the rest of this Eagles offense, just from a, a run game focus, right? You have Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, uh, all returning to this offense. That offensive line comes back largely it's intact. A really good offensive line. I mean, that's the thing is that you know the, you look and it seems like every week it's this it's this part of the year, right? This part of the summer where uh, all through July and August, people are putting out their different rankings, right, different tiers, right. and the Eagles offensive line universally just embraced as one of the top three units. Oh, in for football, sure. If and not it is. One. Yeah. And it is. It's yeah. A, I mean, it's and a, not just for the, the starters up top, but through the depth throughout as well. You know, you know the kind of the way I do my work and during the season because of the matchup show and other things, I can't watch, let's say one team and go back and watch four or five games. Right. I have to try to get through as many games sure. as I can. So this summer, you know, in the summer, I get a chance to watch teams, offenses, defenses, where I can watch four or five games in a row. How do you, how do you decide what you're going to watch on a given day? Do you say like, all right, like going into an off season, I want to make sure I hit on these teams or you just kind of say, you know what, today I feel like watching all of Matt Ryan's dropbacks on third down. It's more like that. Okay, it's, it's it. kind of, well, I, there's certain teams I know I like, I will always watch the Eagles. Yep. Uh, there's certain teams I will always watch, sure. you know, cause I like Tennessee, watching them. You do, yeah. You do radio yeah. with them. Yeah, uh, right. Beyond that, it's, so I wake up in the morning morning and it's like, okay, what do I feel like doing right, today? It's, sure. Yeah, it's like that. But the point I was going to make talking about the Eagles O-line is in watching probably 300 Jalen Hurts dropbacks, Lane Johnson is so good. I yep. mean, I never studied him in hardcore detail. Yep. I mean, I knew he was good. Of you know, course. Yeah. But he is really good, like yeah. really good. And then it just kind of blew me away because, like I said, I watched 300 straight dropbacks over a two-day period, and Lane Johnson is – I mean, he's really a special player. That's what – I mean, Ben made the point on the podcast this summer during training camp. It's like you almost uh, – it almost like washes over you. Almost, you, don't, yeah. you don't want to take it for granted just how good he is uh, on really the right good. side. Really good. 
Yeah. Uh, and when you look at just the rest of the offensive line, yeah. uh, you know, Jordan Mailata entering now a year where, you know, last year that was a question mark. Was, sure. What is he going to look like? He had to, he won the competition against Andre Dillard in training camp and uh, obviously developed into one of the better young tackles uh, in the game. You get Landon Dickerson now starting a year ago. He was a backup. And uh, by the way, he's a year further removed from that injury because sure. I thought that that injury affected him a bit last year, particularly in pass protection. Interesting. Yeah, I've been getting a chance just to see all these guys uh, kind of working together. Um, we've talked about Isaac Sayamalo. He and Lane have only played together like one snap yeah. next to each other on the offensive line. So working on that continuity was a big topic for those guys uh, here this summer. Let's now transition to the defensive side of the football. And there's been a lot of talk, Greg, 3-4, 4-3, what, what, what are the different fronts? At the end of the day, I mean, you know all teams are trying to be multiple, and the Eagles question. are going to be multiple. They're going to be front. multiple. Yeah. Um, I think what's more interesting to me, if I could, is what's going to happen in the secondary. What do you, what do you think there? I think you're going to see a lot more of what's become much more in vogue in the league, which is starting with what we call a quarter structure, yep. where you play four across, because from that structure, you can go to anything. Yep. See, if you have a defined free safety and then a box safety, it's much more difficult to go to any number of things. You're, yep. you're kind of defined pre-snap. It's hard to disguise if you have a free safety, he, strong safety. Well, in terms of uh, is that strong safety, where is he going to go, go on right, a given play? Right. It's a, you're going to see it. There are times where that yeah. strong safety will rotate deep, but it's it's hard to be able it's, to do that. Right, whereas if you start in a quarter structure, which is basically four across, you can go to anything after yep. the snap of the ball. Yep. And I think you're going to see more and more of that. First of all, Keep this in mind. That particular look also takes away seam throws because seam throws, when you play single high, and we're talking zone now, yep. man we know is man. Yep. You know, and every team has to play man, and the Eagles increased their man percentage a year ago, as we know, as the season progressed. But let's, let's put the man part aside for the moment. When you play zone, if you're going to play with a single high safety, the first thing offenses are going to do, and a coach who coached in the NFL for years and years and years told me this, and he used to sit with me and watch tape, Rod Rust. I don't, for people who are older, they might remember him. He said the first thing that you do if you're going to get zone is you, you run the seam and you see how they play the seams. Yep. And if you're going to play single high, that puts a lot of stress not only on your safety. You know, it's easy to say, oh, the post safety, there's stress on him. But it also puts stress on your corners mm. because they have to overlap routes by the inside receiver. Yep. And But yet they can't come off the outside. You know, now you get into gray areas. Oh, say, when do they come off yeah. the route by the outside receiver to overlap right. a vertical route by, by the inside receiver, particularly in two-by-two two sets yeah. where there's two receivers to each side of the formation? So it just puts a tremendous burden on your defense. Now, if you have phenomenal players, when Seattle had Earl Thomas, who was the best post safety in the league with unbelievable range, you could live with that. Okay, but if you don't have that guy and there's not a hundred of those guys, you know, sometimes it's tougher. So teams are now playing much more of a quarter structure. And you can take away more things for playing with that structure. And I think you're going to see that. Um I know Vic Fangio was out at camp a number of times uh, this past offseason. Sure. He's kind of the master of that. Everybody wants Vic's input. He's he's the master of the kind of cover four quarter structure. But even in that quarter structure, you can play sort of high, 
they're not hybrid coverages, but you can play cover two to one side, cover four to the other side. More and more teams are actually playing cover two to the field and cover four to the boundary, which you never saw years ago because the feeling was that that post, that back end safety to the field and cover two yep. had way too much ground a lot to of, cover. A lot, yeah, but, but teams, and we won't get into all this because this, people would need to see the this. Visuals, yeah. But yes, but teams have now figured out ways, defenses, where they can kind of deal with that. And it's it's really fascinating stuff. I've had an opportunity to have some Zoom meetings this summer with defensive coaches, two and a half, three hour Zoom calls, where I've learned so much about just quarters and cover four. And cover eight is what most teams call it when the uh, the um, – when you're playing halves to the field, yep. cover six is what most teams call it. When you're or playing halves field. to the boundary, yep, yeah, right, yep. So uh, to me, like you're again, you're seeing it across the league, across now. the league, uh, and yeah. that that goes hand in hand with the lighter boxes, right? You're playing four, yep. you're playing you know more guys yep. that are responsible for deeper part of the field. Lighter boxes. The yep. thought is to to eliminate the explosive plays, and that's Without something question. that we're seeing the teams have success with across the NFL. And now, what and something you and I have talked about so often over the years, your coverage has to be tied up to the front. Correct. And how you guys, your guys are going to play up front because you can't just say, all right, we're going to play a straight one-gap defense and everybody's responsible for one, one gap and play quarters behind it. That, that doesn't work from a run defense standpoint. Your run fits are not going to be sound. So you're going to try and be multiple up front. There are going to be guys that yep. are responsible for two gaps or a gap and a half. You know, you could start getting into and by the, way, the nitty-gritty technique. Yeah, then that. that could be one reason, a main reason, why they drafted Jordan Davis. Right. Because the goal with Jordan Davis, obviously, and you know we don't know how many snaps he's going to play Early on, sure. you know that that remains to be seen. How how everything plays out um, is that he he can basically control two men, right? And that's critical if you want to play in a quarter structure, right? And that's something. I mean, we we've seen this over the years. You know, the Eagles aren't their first like split safety defense, no, right? So, right, right. Uh, except like right. It's, it's all it's all cyclic. But you right. go back to you know the seventies and the eighties, and you say like, all right, okay, this team is maybe the, you know one of the first Tampa two teams. All right, well, right. yeah, you get some of those bigger bodies up front to be able to handle some of that extra attention that is going to be necessary against the run. Yeah, and and by the way, if you can rush, and obviously when, when they go to sub fronts, whether it's nickel or dime, you tend to rush four. Yep. And if you can really put pressure on the quarterback with four, that allows you to do a lot of things in the back end. In an ideal world, because what 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 – when you're talking zone, yep. okay, again, man, we know is, you know, you sure. got him, okay? But zone, what is the offense trying to do? They're trying to find space. What is the defense trying to do? They're trying to minimize the space. It's all about space when you're playing zone. Where are the voids and can the quarterback, get, you know, can you run route concepts that get into voids and the right. quarterback then have time to, to make the throw? So if you can rush with four and be and speed up the quarterback. That's the goal. Again, it's not always sacks. If you can speed up the quarterback, then those routes don't have time to find the voids where you want them to be. If the quarterback has time, the voids are the voids. They're there. Mm. You know, so that's why teams would prefer, you mentioned Tampa too, you know, going back a number of years when Tony Dungy played it in Tampa when it became really big, they could rush with four. They had big-time pass rushers. You know, every team would love to rush with four and have seven in coverage because it's a numbers That's what you want. Yeah, it's a no, numbers no. game and a space game. Yeah. Uh, at that point, too, uh, when you look at this defensive front, you mentioned Jordan Davis, a big addition, obviously. Hassan Reddick and what he right. could be, you know, for this defense. And just uh, – I've talked about it a lot this summer on the podcast is just the the multiplicity of this front. And it's not just, oh, they, they want to change it up in terms of looks and you know, odd fronts, even fronts. 
but the the position versatility of all these guys, right. Hassan Reddick's ability to we know what he can do at a high right. level, right. but what he can do in the structure of the defense. Brandon Graham can line up inside and outside. Hargrave and Cox have Sweat that flexibility. Too, really. Sweat can line up at a number of different spots. Milton Williams can line up at a yep. number of different spots. So uh, that's what I'm just excited to see all yeah. the different looks up front. Yeah, and and then it depends on your opponent too because. When you start showing five-man fronts, which teams do as well in sub, by the way, it's not just in base, yep. is do do offenses feel that they have to help particular offensive linemen? Yep. Because now if you can get the offense to have to keep a back in or keep a tight end in or have them both chip yep. if need be, then they're removed as primary route runners. Mm. And that helps your defense because, again, then it becomes numbers. Yep. You have more defenders against fewer receivers who are primary route runners. Yeah. So the one thing I wanted to ask you before we transition into this matchup against Detroit, uh, the Eagles safety tandem, uh, I know you're a fan of coming into this year because you were th- you were very, really high on Marcus Epps. And you were I've, excited I've been high on Epps yeah. going back two years. You have. Uh, and then Based I've, on tape. I exactly, mean, again, I don't sure. want people to think – I just, you know, I don't know Marcus Epps. Uh, I mean, but. I will say, you, this is the first time you were in the building now for three years. Right, right. Uh, this, I'm, I'm happy right. that we're able to do this together in studio this year. Uh, so, you know, you don't. it's not that like right. you have a personal relationship with Marcus Epps. You've been high on Marcus Epps for a couple of Based years. Based on tape, Exactly. Yeah. And then you, uh, I know you're high on the, the addition of Chauncey ah. Gardner-Johnson as well. Uh, speak to what you think his role could be uh, in this defense. He'll play safety in this yeah. defense. Now, he played safety his first two years at, at Florida, Florida, as you yeah. know, yep. then transitioned to nickelback, and he became a really good nickelback. You know, for the Saints and yeah. really good player, he'll pro- he'll play safety in this defense. But there's a lot of see if you play with a quarter structure, you end up with a lot of man principles because true quarters is really a matchup yep. zone. Yep. So he can match up and. He can also, if you feel the need, he can match up really to anybody. He can yeah. match up to quality wide receivers. He can match up to tight ends. He's a good blitzer. It's not a projection either. We've seen him do it in the NFL. Like, Without question. We've seen him do it. Oh, no. Yep. He's, he's a really good player. Yes. Um, he can play the run. He's physical. Yes. Um, I think Eagles fans will love him because he's he's also got a reputation as a big-time trash talker. Yep. But he often backs it up. No doubt. Um, but I think he'll probably, you know, my guess is you'll see him probably play weak safety within the context of what they do. And by that, I mean he'll line up not, not to the passing strength. I think Epps will probably do that. But, you know, they'll change up. They're not just going to do one thing. Yeah, I think that one of the other aspects of it, too, so often around the league now, and I think this goes hand-in-hand hand with all the different uh, teams that are running these kind of coverage structures, the nickels and the safeties are often working together in Correct. practice. There's so yeah. much overlap yep. between uh, those two positions in terms of where they're working in the middle of the field uh, that there's a little bit more overlap, I think, than people might think. Without question, particularly in zone. You yeah. know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, but I, I think uh, uh, Gardner Johnson is a really, really good player. I think he's proved that with the Saints. Yep. Um, and I think that was a great pickup by the Eagles. All right, well, let's uh, stick with that side of the ball as we transition out to Sunday's matchup against Detroit. Uh, a Lions offense that has a little bit of change as well. Yeah. You know, they have a new offensive coordinator. Anthony Lynn was the offensive coordinator and play caller for the first half of last year. Lost play calling duties. Ben Johnson took over and then was uh, hired as the replacement offensive coordinator this offseason. And when we saw that change, because remember, that the Eagles last year, everyone points to that Lions game as that was the turning the point, point right? for that the was, Birds. That was the yeah. turning point for the Eagles. Well, it was just a couple weeks later when things kind of changed for the Lions as well. Well, yeah. a, a lot more motion, a lot more play action. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown became a, a huge focal point offensively. I know when we previewed that Lions game a year ago, it was all Hawkinson and Swift. Hawkinson and Swift. Right. 
well, Amon Ross St. Brown, the rookie, fourth-round pick a year ago, uh, really kind of took over and was the number one option for them at that point. Yeah, and as you and I discussed, a couple of things you start to see. You started to see more shifting in motion. Yep. Um, and then you start to see more play action. And with Goff under center. See, that's what Jared Goff's game is. You have to play to the strength of your quarterback. And Goff is... Look, all quarterbacks, theoretically, if they're secure and comfortable in the pocket, should be able to throw the ball. Sure. Um, but Goff, that's his game. Goff's an easy thrower. He's a good thrower of the football. He's not particularly mobile. Um, he can have designed boot, but he's not going to make second reaction plays. Um, but you started to see a lot more of the play-action game. And the, what the play-action game does, and we've discussed this for years, is it it normally defines the reads and the throws for the quarterback because you're expecting certain responses from the defense based on film study. And so therefore, when the quarterback snaps his head around, really he only has to find one defender, two at the very most, yep. but really one. And then he knows where he's going with the football. And Goss very comfortable with that. You know, down, I know he missed a couple of games toward the latter part of the season, but in his last five or six games, he actually played pretty well. You know, and people forget he's an easy guy to rip because he's not a guy that comes across anyway publicly as having a lot of personality, so people kind of don't talk about him. But, you know, he was in a Super Bowl. He had some pretty good years with the Rams. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that, I mean, he's historically been a uh, – I shouldn't say this, like historically been, because obviously he's been a very aggressive thrower right, at times right, with the Rams. Right. But even going back to the early stages of last year, they were a very conservative offense. Yes. There was a lot of – I mean, they, they led the, the NFL in, in running back targets in the past game yes. a year ago, uh, and not just screens but also just check downs, get get uh, the ball to the back in the flat, tight ends over the middle. Like, it wasn't a, a downfield passing attack. Jared Goff is one of the best pure arm talents in the league. I mean, he, he can he can He's a good thrower of the football. Yeah, oh, the yeah. Field. So uh, that's something you don't want to just take for granted going into this game. No, I remember in the matchup show, you know, when Goff was the Rams quarterback, we used to do pieces all the time. And obviously, the Rams offense under McVay is really highly schemed and presents really good throws. But these were intermediate and intermediate right. to deep throws. Yep. The, these were not check down throws. Yes. He can throw the ball. No if you give him time... And, and you have a well-schemed pass game, and we'll see. You know, Ben Johnson seemed to do a pretty good job uh, late last season. If you can sort of map that out pretty cleanly for Jared Goff, he'll make throws. So last year, uh, the, the obviously, like I said, the, that change right around week 10 was when right. Ben Johnson kind of took over. It was a little bit cloudy in terms of when exactly it happened. It was around that area. Um, but if you look at weeks 11 to 18 last year, only one player had more catches than Amon Ross St. Brown. Yes. That was Cooper Cup. So, I mean, it just became a focal point. And what they did, moving around, creating free releases yep. for him, they were lining him up in the backfield and giving him, like, draw plays and inside Without zone question, runs. I, they were, I they, know. They were yeah. doing all kinds of crazy stuff. with Yeah, and, and he needs – look, he's not a burner. He's not. Yep. You know, he's he's – I, I liked him coming out of USC, and I think you did as well. Did, he, yep. You know, he had the look of a professional receiver in college, just a guy that knew how to run routes, a guy that knew how to get open, um, you know, a guy that knew how – you know, one of the things that's rarely ever talked about with with uh, receivers and running routes, because we all focus, particularly when we're at the combine, on speed. But speed might be one of the least important yep. things for running routes. It's understanding pace and tempo and understanding how to, you know – move defenders off their spots, yep. getting their body to turn, then winning, you know, then creating the separation. St. Brown's very good at that. Yes. Uh, and, you know, they're going to need more from other receivers, obviously. You know, Hawkinson, because it's been kind of a dysfunctional offense since he's been there. But I think Hawkinson, if the offense can really 
become better. Yep. I think he's a really talented player. Right. I mean, this is a guy that went number eight in the draft yeah. uh, when he came out a couple years ago. Uh, I would say, like, you know, similar to Dallas Goddard from a skill set standpoint. I didn't think Hawkinson um, had a real weakness coming out of right. Iowa. I don't no. know what you thought. No, but. he's a really well-rounded player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and not a guy that's like a stiff athletically. No, He's a guy no. that has the ability to beat you. Um, they go out and they get DJ Chark uh, in free agency. That presents a little bit more of a vertical element. Obviously, they had the huge trade As does for Reynolds, by the way. Yeah, I mean, no, no question. Reynolds is not, you know, he's never become what I think some people thought he might. When when he left the Rams to go to Tennessee, yep. um, I think some people thought, including myself, that he might have an opportunity to really become a player yep. because he's long and can run. Yep. So, I mean, the one thing that, and you made a great point with Shark, they have vertical, they have vertical dimensions here. They didn't have here. a year ago. No. Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, they're not good, you know. But, I mean, you got to be a little careful here because yep. Shark and Reynolds can get over the top of your defense. And he won't be a factor this week. They made the big trade for Jamison Williams. They they want that element in their offense. Right. Uh, so, Jamison Williams out, still coming back sure. from that ACL injury. But you throw in DJ Shark. Josh Reynolds was not on this team a year ago. For, Until the – he's not when the Eagles played them. Yeah, he was a yeah. midseason addition yeah. off yeah. the waiver wire. So, uh, I think when you look at the way that this, this offense is built, there's a structure there. And then, similar to the Eagles, this is a team that believes in the line of scrimmage. That offensive line – I mean, littered with first-round picks and littered with talent. It's about just you know them taking the next yeah, step. Yeah, and, and Panay Sewell struggled last year. That, that's one thing that really stood out, just as I mentioned. Clearly in pass pro, right? Yeah, like, clearly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just as I mentioned, watching Jalen Hurts drop backs, um, I, I noticed Lane Johnson watching Jared Goss drop backs. I noticed that Sewell had all kinds of issues in pass protection. I would assume he'll be better this year because he, he does have talent. Although, and I don't know how many people you've talked to, but I've talked to a number of offensive line coaches who think Sewell's a guard. Mm, interesting. And I know that he's not going to play guard for them, right. yep. but you know he's. I assume he's still going to play right tackle, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, Decker's that's there. Question, yeah, yeah. Decker's at left tackle, and that's the thing is like Decker. I believe Decker. Yeah, Decker was not back for last year's game. No, Frank Ragnow was hurt for last year's game. Yeah, uh, Sewell's at left tackle. Now he's a right tackle. Um, and by the way, Jonah Jackson's a really good player. Jonah Jackson. Everyone, you know, he's kind of like the forgotten guy. Some people. I mean, he's the leader of that room. For, by all reports, is like he's the guy that like sets everybody. Rutgers straight. transfer one year at Ohio State. Yeah, local he kid. Was, from media, media PA. Yeah, he's a kid. I, I really, you know, look, you know, you and I have talked about O-line play. I feel like I, I've learned more and more over the years because I've gotten to know some O-line coaches really well. And I really liked Jonah Jackson when he came out of Ohio State. And, you know, and I knew he wasn't going to be a top yeah. 50 pick or anything like that. But right. I thought he was a starting guard when I watched his tape at Ohio State. Yeah, ended up being a third rounder uh, and yeah. starting early on uh, yeah. in his career as a third rounder just back in 2020. Um, real quick, last point on their, on their offense. Uh, we talked a little bit about DeAndre Swift, and they, they led the league in running back targets in the past game. Uh, obviously, he's a dynamic presence back there, but this is a team that wants to be physical downhill. I mean, that's that's kind of the identity of this coaching staff. Well, if you watch hard knocks, you get that, that sense. Oh. That's what Jamal Williams is. And by is. the way, they, they, they have a ton of former NFL players on their on coaching staff. staff. Yeah, yep. So those guys understand what it takes, you know, to play 17, 18 weeks in this league. Um, Deuce is there. You know, you know, look, you can see, you know, Deuce and Aaron Glenn have some nice battles, you know. Yep. I mean, that's that's what you need. Yep. No, but you're right. They, they want to be a physical team. They want to run the ball. I mean, Jamal Williams led the down, – again, down that stretch, that same yeah. sample last year, weeks 11 and 18, uh, Jamal Williams led the team in, in carries, not Swift. So right. I, and he is – that's I don't want to say the opposite of that's Swift. That's what but he, he is. He, yeah. that, he is a downhill physical yeah. presence uh, in the run game. So that definitely, that's the, that's what they want that identity to be able to, uh, to be moving forward. Uh, let's go over to the the defense here yeah. and look at how they're going to match up with the offense. The defense. 
I mean, they were you almost can't even look at last, year. last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. Yeah. I mean, it, it was funny because watching them in the summer, I was interested. Look, this is summer twenty twenty one now. They were doing some fun things. I was interested to see Aaron Glenn, the new scheme, and they were doing all kinds of like funky blitz schemes. I remember oh, they yeah. had um, the uh, the rookie safety from a year ago, uh, Melifonwu. They were lining him up in the A gap and doing some fun stuff with him then. Uh, and then it was just injuries left and right, and you know that they were kind of tattered by the time they even played the Eagles in Week Six. But uh, what are your thoughts here on what this defense will look like year two? Well. People have to remember Aaron Glenn spent five years under Dennis Allen yeah. in uh, in New Orleans, and yep. Dennis Allen is one of the best in the league with multiple fronts, multiple pressure concepts. I think Aaron Glenn would like to be able to do that. Yep. Now, I know Jeffrey Okuda is, has been named the starter. I, he was a high pick. The hope is that he can line up and play man-to-man because you look at what the Saints did when Glenn was there. They played a lot of man coverage. They played a lot of two-man, yep. but they certainly played a lot of cover one. So, you know, obviously they hope Akuda can line up and play that. There you were know, thoughts early in the offseason, sorry to cut you off, was that no, he, no. he might move to safety. And right, I, I right. They kind of had to, like, squash that. Right. Like, no, he's going to compete for corner. He was battling with Walt uh, with Will Harris to be the starting corner, won the job late in preseason. Correct. Uh, so he will be the starter opposite Aurorie. Right, and Aurorier is a big corner. Um, he's had ups and downs, yep. but you like his size. Yep. But, you know, he does get beat on occasion, but obviously he can line up and play man. Um, I think they'd like to be able to do that. I think they'd like to be multiple with their pressure concepts. Aiden Hutchinson was the second pick in the draft. He can line up. He's, he's a defensive end, obviously. That's what he'll play in their base. But then when you start going to sub, you can move him uh, around. Yep. He can play inside. Charles Harris can rush the quarterback from the edge. Um, you know, Alex Anzalone's been in the league for a while. He's always been a player that plays in nickel. He's a very athletic guy. I mean, they do not have a bad defense in terms of players. Yep. I mean, they don't have one of the best in the league, but if everybody's healthy, I think you'll see, and, and you might see it week one. You know, obviously you have to be a little careful. Um, the Jalen Hurts factor, I think, can change teams the way they play just because of the running element yep. that Jalen brings to the table. But I don't think this defense wants to be static. Yeah. I think this defense wants to be multiple, and both with their fronts, with their coverage. I think you'll see a lot of disguise. Um, so it... it it, it's a tactical challenge. Yeah, and again, you kind of throw 2021 out the window yes. with what they did schematically because of all the injuries. I mean, Without they played question. more rookies on defense than anyone in the NFL last year. A lot of those rookies no longer even with the team. I mean, they, they no, they brought Parker. a lot of street free agents yeah. in to, during the course of last season. Yeah, I mean, the, the kid Parker was their starting nickel corner. He's not on the team this year. Yeah. I mean, they had to make uh, – they went and signed Mike Hughes, who's been in the league, a former first Right, right, right. Uh, he's going to be their nickel corner now. Right. Um, this is – it's an interesting team. It'll be an interesting test because of a lot of the unknowns there. Uh, like you said, I don't know that there's any like weak points, but there's not a lot. Of, you wouldn't say like proven blue chip guys in the NFL yet, um, but guys that have the ability to, to ascend into that status. So, uh, Greg, it'll be fun kind of breaking this game down uh, next week. And week one's crazy, Fran. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, look, we all talk in the offseason, and I went back and watched a ton of tape, but week one, it's it's like college football. Week one is crazy. Which this one was. Yes, it was. Uh, which you can check out, Greg and I, uh, this week, later this week, on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We'll be breaking down uh, some of the players that Greg has spent some time studying uh, here this summer. Well, Greg, uh, like I said earlier, it's great to be back I in know, the studio. I know, it really is. This it's is good, this to, is, good to be back in the building. Our, our first non-Zoom yeah. podcast in, uh, in, two, in three years, yeah. since, since 2019. Yep. So, uh, Greg, we will talk to you next week, right? Right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. 
Great stuff from Greg, who you could follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we'll answer it here on the show. And I want to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that. Ethan, the Eagles fan, left a five-star review saying, hi, Fran. During training camp and specifically in 11-on-11 drills, Josh Job really caught my eye. I was wondering who he is and whether or not he's something special. Thanks and love the show. Ethan, uh, great eye by you because this comment was left uh, a couple of weeks ago. Josh Job ended up making the 53-man roster, uh, and I know Howie Roseman was asked about him during that press conference when the Eagles announced the initial 53 and just talked about uh, what look, when you have a guy with his size profile, with the athleticism, the ability to play both man and zone, and you saw him do it for a number of years in that Alabama defense. Uh, we talked with Greg about just how convoluted some of these uh, these coverage structures can be, whether it's too high, three high, four high. Uh, you've got that ability uh, with Job to be able to win from a number of different techniques uh, on the outside. Just a, a really competitive player and a guy that, again, was a productive player in the SEC over the last couple of years. An injury kind of caused him to drop a little bit uh, and become undrafted, but the Eagles feel uh, like they got a little bit of a steal there in Josh Job. We'll see. Yeah, obviously, look, the, the jury's still out. He's got a lot left to prove, but uh, a guy that the, the team is clearly high on at this point in his career. Still very young uh, going into his rookie campaign. So, Ethan, uh, great question. Again, if anyone has any questions about this team, Now's the time. Jump on Apple Podcasts. You can be first up for next week's show, for the next show that we do. Uh, go on to Apple Podcasts. Leave us that question in the comment box. We'll answer it on the next episode. Great stuff there from Ethan. Thank you to him, and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.